The following sermon is a recording from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. For more audio and information, please visit HolyCrossTucson.com. It's really exciting to be able to come here today, talk to you during Advent season. Um, and today we're going to focus on uh, the birth of Christ, the, the meaning of, of what Christmas is. And, um, you know, this time of year is so fun for, for so many different reasons. But um, if you think about all the unique experiences that we have this time of year, um, you know, there's uh, fun foods, you know, uh, I don't know if you're into fruitcake, but that's something that you only see this time of year. Um, eggnog. Um, we've uh, got classic movies that we like to watch. Um, you know, we decorate our houses with lights. We, uh, we, we put on ugly clothes on purpose, go to people's houses, sit around a tree. Um, you know, weird stuff. We do, uh, you know, caroling. I mean, get a bunch of friends together. Let's go sing in the neighborhood. That sounds totally weird most of the times of the year, but... But during Christmas, you're like, yeah, that, that sounds good. Let's go do that. Um, and, and another thing that happens this time of year is um, we use a lot of different words that we don't typically use throughout the rest of the year. Um, you know, take, take Merry Christmas, for example. You know, we don't, we don't say Merry anything, really. You know, someone, someone has a birthday. It's like, oh, yeah, Merry birthday. Um, you know, we don't say Merry Fourth of July. We don't say anything like that. There's, there's words that we use. That, you know, we don't say hark. A lot. We we sing that. Um, uh, behold, the the come behold the, the the title of our series. That's that's kind of an odd word. Um, we hear it a lot in songs this time of year, um, and it's interesting because that word um, has has been written in the Bible for you know centuries, and even in the most modern interpretations, they they haven't found another word to replace that. So it holds a lot of significance. That that word behold. It's kind of you know, we're going to do something really important here. Behold, this is something's about to happen. And, um, you know, I think all the fun things that we do this time of year, all the unique characteristics of this time of year, the food and the ceremonies and the things that we say, we, we can kind of lose uh, the significance of some of those words. And so um, today we're going to talk about two words, really two phrases that are in our uh, passage. And they are the virgin birth and the name Emmanuel which we hear a lot this time of year. So that we're, we're going to try and answer two questions. What about the birth of Jesus is significant? And why was he called Emmanuel? And, you know, for those of you who've been here for a while, Pete usually likes to use three. Um, I feel like I'm substitute teaching, so we'll just do two. Maybe we'll do movie day, get out early, um, you know, get in our pajamas. Um, so, um, but one of the great things about, about having a, a pastor as a friend is going through scripture with them and to be able to learn from somebody who's really done a lot of study. And um, Pete likes to give me a little bit of a hard time when we do this because I'm kind of a history nerd and I'm really, I, I really need to know the context of what's going on in the scripture that we're reading. So, you know, I, I love documentaries. I've been down a million black holes on Wikipedia when I'm bored. So I, I really like to kind of know what's going on. So we'll set the stage. We learned from Drew last week that um, it's been 400 years since the, uh, the last book of the Old Testament was written. And um, the passage that we're going to read about today references a prophecy that was 700 years ago. So 700 years is a lot closer to 1,000 to years than zero. So think about how much, how much time that is and the anticipation that would be coming with that. I mean, you know, our family will plan a vacation six months out, and 
I can't, you know, it's like, oh, we're going to the beach in six months, yeah. And you know, and you, you get so worked up about it. I mean, think about generation upon generation upon generation of people that have heard this prophecy and they're waiting for it to be fulfilled. There's a lot of, of, of anticipation that's built up in this passage. So let's, let's read it first. Uh, it's turning your Bibles to Matthew 1, verses 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But, but as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to, them, appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. So right away, we've, we've got a pretty scandalous situation on our hands. Okay, We've got a woman. We've got a man. They're getting married. She's pregnant. It's not his baby. That, that's like a Dr. Phil episode right here. It's, even in today's times, that, that is something that would raise a lot of eyebrows. And, you know, keep in mind that, that back then, the, the idea of being betrothed to someone was, was a lot closer to what our idea of marriage is than it, than it is to being engaged. So they're actually referred to as husband and wife. Um, they're kind of in this waiting period from the ceremony to when they actually move in together. And, and this is when they find out that Mary's pregnant. And so you can imagine, you know, there's a lot of people, or I mean, the, the feelings that would go along with that. So... Then the angel comes and he, and he says, Joseph, don't worry, don't worry. Mary, Mary hasn't broken her vow to you. The baby is from the Holy Spirit. And so now Joseph's got to wrap his mind around, I'm, I'm embarrassed, I'm, I'm probably hurt by the fact that my, my wife is pregnant. I know it's not mine. And then now I'm finding out, well, it's actually from the Holy Spirit. I'm, I'm going to be the adoptive father of the Messiah that we've been hearing about for 700 years. I mean, you can think about the kind of, you know, thoughts that are going on in his head. He's, he's got to be um, really confused, and, uh, and yet he's, he's still able to, to follow through on what God asked him to do. And, and that's not even really the biggest part of the story. So, you know, we, I mentioned before that we kind of get desensitized to some of these words. Um, Let's talk about the significance of, of his actual birth for a second. Do, do we ever stop and think about what a virgin birth means? Do we understand like, how incredible that, that situation is? We, we have a woman who has never known a man, and she's pregnant. She's, she's going to have a baby. We know that you know, everybody can tell by looking at her that she's, she's going to have a baby. And I think we lose sight of that sometimes. And, and it's true that in our you know, finite human world, that's not something that, that we you know, find possible. That's not, it's you know, kind of an oxymoron. 
um, the idea of, of, of a virgin birth, but, but God in his sovereignty saw an amazing way to bring, to bring about the Savior. And you know, why, did he, why did he choose to do that? What, what would be the reason for something like that? Why, why didn't he just send Jesus, fully formed man, bunch of horses, a big chariot, awesome sword, just riding in through town, taking care of the Roman occupiers of the time. I mean, that's, that's what the, the Jews of that time were, were hoping for. And yet they're having this, this other incredible thing happen. They're having, they're having a, a virgin birth. So there, there's a lot of reasons why this might seem like a, um, you know, a unique way to, to, to bring about a saver. We'll look at a couple of them. Um, and, and the first one is really the simplest one. Jesus uh, had a proclamation, I'm sorry, God had a proclamation 700 years ago that he was going to deliver the Savior through, the, through a virgin birth. It says in Isaiah chapter 17, or tra- sorry, chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. So it says in verse 22 of what we were reading today, it, it took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. So uh, the simple reason, God fulfills his promises. How, how different would your life be if, if everything that had been promised to you had been fulfilled? You know, probably significantly different. And, and it's, a, it's a way of God showing that he will always come through on what he promises. It might not be in the time frame that you'd like it to be, but he's going to do it, and he's going to do it at the right time. Uh, let's look at another reason. Um, having Jesus born of a woman named Mary shows his humanity. He came into the world the same way we did as a helpless little baby. All the things that, that come along with it. The, there's a great theologian named Augustine. He put it like this. He was made man who made man. He was created of a mother whom he created. He was carried by the hand that he formed. He cried in the manger in wordless infancy, he, the word, without whom all human eloquence is mute. And this this idea of of Jesus as a baby, um, it brings to to me another song that we sing this this time of year, um, Silent Night. Everybody knows that song, right? Um, (laughs) I I like that. Who, Who is the liar that wrote that song? Have, have you guys ever taken care of an infant overnight? Um, do, does the word silent ever come? I, I think of loud and messy. I don't, I don't really think of silent. But there's Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, coming into the chaos of the world in the same messy way that we did. Um, you know, born in a barn. Doesn't, doesn't get a lot messier than that. Um, and we learn that he was human in every way. We read that he was like us physically. He had a physical body. He, he, uh, he grew tired. He required food to eat when he was hungry and uh, that he had to sleep. Um, question that pops in my mind, was he a good carpenter? You know, his dad Joseph was a carpenter by trade. Was, was Jesus any, any good at it? He, was a, he had a physical body. He followed what his dad did. Um, he, he, we also learned that he was like us mentally. You know, he didn't, uh, he didn't come out preaching the word um, right there in the barn, he, uh, the Bible says that he, that he increased in wisdom. So he had to learn to, to walk. He had to learn to speak. 
He had to learn um, how to count, how to memorize the same way that we did. He had to study for tests. He had to learn his, you know, first century version of the Hebrew ABCs. Um, you know, it, thinking about him, as, you know, was he a good student? I don't know. Probably, but you know, we don't know that. Um, and, and uh, you, you know, the, the other thing that we learned about is that he was like us emotionally. Um, we, uh, we read, or we read uh, later that he was tempted in the desert by the devil. He didn't, he didn't fall into temptation, but he, he was tempted. Um, we, we read in the Gospel of John that uh, when his friend Lazarus died, uh, the women came and met him on the road, and, and he was deeply moved by that, and he wept. He, he cried about it. So he's experiencing all the same emotions that we experience. And um, we read, in fact, that he was, he was so normal to the people around him, uh, later in chapter 13, that when he grew older and started, started preaching in his own hometown, the, the people, it says, they were astonished. They're, they're, you know, isn't that the carpenter's kid? I mean... What, where's all this coming from? Um, you know, they had, a, they had a difficult time believing that the Jesus that they knew, that they grew up with, was this Messiah that, that had been prophesied about. And, you know, you think about it in the terms of like, what if, what if Jesus was your friend at the time? Can you imagine what that would be like if all of a sudden he started performing these miracles and telling people about who he was, who he really was? I mean, it, it was, it was so out of uh, character for, for him as a regular human being that the, the people that knew him best were, were blown away by it. But why, why is it a big deal that we know that he was human? Um, I would say think back to when you were maybe in middle school or high school, have, true or false, have, have you ever said no one understands what I'm going through right now? No one understands me. And if they did, They'd know how hurt I am. They'd know how, how much that um, this is weighing on me. And they'd, they'd understand how I feel, but nobody understands me. And so I'm going through this, this thing by myself. But God sent his son in such a way that, that we could know that he knows what it's like to be us. That he knows what it's like to be tired and discouraged. And, and that we can be confident that when we turn to God, that he knows what it's like to live a human existence. He's been there. He's been through all the same things. Another reason, um, and, and I would argue the most important reason, I think this is really uh, the biggest uh, concept, was that God did it to show his supernatural power, to show that we as humans are not capable of bringing about our own Savior. We are not capable of bringing about our own Savior. And the only way that we could have a Savior that was sufficient for us was, was through this manner. There's, there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves from sin. But think about all the ways that we, that we try to do that every day. Um, I'm going to be a good person. We say that all the time. I'm going to be a better person than I was last year. I'm, I'm going to make an improvement. That'll be a good thing to do. And... Isn't that kind of what the world has turned Christmas into this time of year? You know, we, um, my family and I just watched a, a movie the other day. We, we watch a lot of Christmas-themed movies. It's kind of our thing. Um, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. We, I didn't say they were good movies, but um, it's okay. It's okay. So uh, Kevin is this kid who 
you know, in the last movie gets left behind. Somehow the whole thing happens again, like horrible parenting. So he's, he, but this time he ends up on the wrong flight. He ends up in New York. He's running around New York, crazy, you know, 10 year old. Um, he meets a homeless woman in the park. Um, and uh, she's, you know, having a tough go of it. And um, they're, they're, uh, they're later, they're kind of talking to one another and sort of um, going over Kevin's situation. He's talking about how, you know, he's, he, he, he loves his family, but he gets really frustrated with them. And, you know, and then he kind of lashes out and says, you know, I wish I never had a family. And um, the woman looks at him and says, did you know that every good deed erases a bad deed? And, I mean, that's totally not true, but, but, but how often do we say that to ourselves? How often do we, do we say that to ourselves as a way to earn our salvation? If I can just do enough good things to make up for all the bad stuff that I did, then um, that, that'll get me into heaven. That, that would be like your friend eating, saying, I'm going to eat a salad tonight. I've been picking out on all-you-can-eat buffets all month. I need to lose some weight. I'm going to have a salad. I mean, you, you're like, you're crazy. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, you just, you know, you, you're way off base. Um, but it's kind of like what, that's kind of what we do when we're trying to justify by being a good person. And God is showing us through this totally incredible miracle of a virgin birth that, that trying to be a better person is going to fall short. You know? You're, really, you're going to try to be a good person. I just put a baby in the womb of a woman with the Holy Spirit. Good Good try. To try. So, you know, it's, it's impossible for us to bring about our own Savior. And, and we learn that we've inherited that, uh, that sin nature from our original earthly father, Adam, right? We, we, we've read about that before. The, the, the passage that we read, notice it never calls Joseph Jesus' father. It talks about how he's biologically connected to Mary, but that Joseph is his adoptive father. The same way that God adopts us into his family. Um, and, and by adopting him, he, he, brings in, he brings Jesus into that royal bloodline that we learned about from Drew last week, the genealogy of where Joseph came from. And, and Jesus is adopted into that line, but, but he's biologically related to Mary. Um, we know that if he had had a human father, he would have inherited that sin nature, but we know that Jesus was sinless, so that, that can't be. And... Anything less than a, a fully God and fully human Jesus would have made his sacrifice insufficient. So hopefully now we're kind of on the same page. The virgin birth, big deal. Let's not forget about that when we're, you know, this time of year. Um, he's the only person who ever has, the only person who will ever enter the world in this way. But there's more to the story. We talked about two things, right? The virgin birth the name Emmanuel. So what is there to learn about the name that they gave Jesus? Um, God in the Old Testament was known by, uh, by a lot of names. Um, the earliest one was Yahweh, which is the name that, uh, that he gave Moses when Moses said, who should I say, who should I tell the people that I'm, I'm talking with? And Yahweh translates directly to I am. Um, and you'll remember one of those Ten Commandments was don't take the Lord's name in vain. So over time, the Jews actually got so nervous that they might take the Lord's name in vain, they actually stopped using that word. And they, and they actually started using a word, um, Adonai, which means my Lord, um, instead of 
the Yahweh because they were, you know, they were nervous about saying something the wrong way. You fast forward to the New Testament, and the name of, of Jesus is actually a fairly common name that uh, was given to Jewish boys at the time, and it, and it translates basically to the Lord saves. And it was a, a sign that, that families would give as, um, in naming their son that to, to, as a sign of the hope that they had for, for the coming Messiah. And, and Jesus is actually the Greek version of that name. The, the Hebrew version is uh, Yeshua, which is the same guy that we learn about in the Old Testament who, uh, who conquered uh, Jericho. Um, in English, we, we pronounce that name Joshua. And you guys are like, whoa, that's your name. I know. It's like, it's like Pete knew this was going to happen, and uh, that's why he, he decided. That's why he's our pastor. He's so good. Um, so the angel tells, tells Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus, but you're also going to call him Emmanuel. And the, the, the name Emmanuel uh, means the phrase, God with us. And so, you know, we hear the phrase God with us, and, and maybe some of the thoughts that, that we might think of are, you know, God's in our hearts and minds. Um, he, he's with us, um, you know, sort of on the inside. But, but the name actually means a lot more than that, and the significance of it is, is greater than that. Certain phrases and dates um, carry a lot more significance to the people that experience them than um, if you just learn about them, right? So I'll give you an example, March 3rd. I don't know, most of you, that's probably just a, a regular day of the year. But for me, um, that's the day that I tricked my wife into marrying me. Um, I, I think she knew what she was doing, I hope so. Um, but that's an important day for me. And, and uh, that's because I experienced something you know, really significant on that day. Um, another, here's another one, here's a, here's a phrase that um, people should hopefully recognize one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. So if you talk to somebody around my age, somebody who was born in the late 70s, early 80s, I learned about what that was, and I, 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 I know where that was said. Everybody knows that, right? That Neil Armstrong said that, first man to walk on the moon, 1969, um, stepped out and, and he uttered that phrase while he was, uh, while he was getting off of the, uh, the uh, lunar Module, I think that's what it's called. I learned about it, forgot it. Um, but, uh, but if you talk to somebody who, was born, who, who lived through the 50s and 60s and the threat of nuclear war from the Soviet Union, that, that phrase takes on a lot more significance to certain people. It, it, it's like, hey, we're the United States. We're, we're a force to be reckoned with. We were the first ones to do this. You better watch out. We're not going to just you know, lay down and... Um, and, you know, and not put up a fight. So it, there's, there's more significance to it. And, and in the same way, Emmanuel, to, to the Jews of that time, carried a much different significance. It means the God of the Old Testament, the one who breathed the universe into existence, the one who, who's all-powerful, who's, who's all-knowing, uh, the God who the, who the angels literally sing praises to all day, that same guy is fulfilling his promise to come rescue his people. By sending a savior. Uh, let's read in uh, Philippians uh, verse two or chapter two, uh, eight through twelve. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. 
Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name Emmanuel should carry the same significance for us. Jesus is Lord. He has been sent to be with us, and he has come to rescue us. All of that is wrapped up in that name, that name Emmanuel. You guys have ever heard of uh, that show, Undercover Boss? So, you know, that's the show where the, the CEO kind of takes off his boss hat, becomes a regular employee, going to get his hands dirty. Um, and, you know, at some point, if you've ever watched the show, you're, you're like, wow, that's so cool. That guy would, or this woman would do that. You know, they'd, they'd kind of um, become a, a regular employee and, um, you know, sort of, you know, find out what's going on on the front lines. But, but how much more amazing is it that the God of the universe did that for us? And, and he became a human being, part of something that he created. So it, becoming a CEO, becoming an employee isn't, you know, forget ballpark. It's like it's not even in the same stratosphere as what, as what God did. What God did for us was like an artist becoming paint on a canvas or, uh, or a builder becoming a brick in a wall. And what's even more amazing is that he did it for us. He did it for our benefit. He, he already knew what we were all about, but he wanted us to know that he cared for us so much that he would be ridiculed, that he would be beaten, and eventually killed so that, so that we could be spared the punishment of our sin. Um, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Uh, Pastor David Platt summed it up well in a commentary that, that he wrote um, on Matthew when somebody was asking him about, about the significance of this. He said, when I decided to ask my wife to marry me, I didn't send somebody else to do it, to do it. I, I did it myself. And why? Because in matters of love, one must go himself. The God of the universe loves you so much that he came himself to rescue us. So, so what does this mean for today? What can we take from this passage about the Christmas story as we, as we leave here? Well, I think it's, I think it's really simple. We are not capable of saving ourselves. God sent a Savior to rescue us from sin. And he sent Jesus in a scandalous, messy, unexpected way. The same, the same way that he enters our, our messy lives. And we call him Emmanuel because the all-powerful creator humbled himself to be with us in the, in the chaos of humanity. The real story of Christmas is the story of the gospel. The world has, has hijacked this season to make it seem that it's about being a good person, um, giving gifts to one another, being with friends and family, which, which are all great things, but they're not what Christmas is about. 
Christmas means that our Savior has arrived. And, and that is the reason that we celebrate Christmas. All right, let's pray.